Tennessee football recruiting has been on quite a roll, especially in the month of July. Who all has joined the class and who is yet to come? We'll get John Garcia his thoughts and a whole lot more here on this Friday, Locked on Balls. You are Locked on Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome into it. This is Locked on Balls, a Friday edition. So thanks so much for uh, beginning your tailgate of a weekend here with us on Locked on Balls. You can find this anywhere you get your podcast, your first listen, first watch on YouTube. Really, really do appreciate you guys. And, of course, today's episode is brought to you in part by Bet Online. Bet Online's got you covered this season. More props and odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline.net, it is where the game starts. All right, we got a fun show coming up here on a Friday. Like I said, in the cold open, John Garcia, Director of Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, is going to join us here for the entirety of the show. And we're going to talk a whole lot of Tennessee football recruiting. You guys know I've been talking a ton of recruiting, but always good to get another voice and uh, another guy who's in the know And John Garcia. John, welcome back to the show, man. Good to be back on with you, Eric. Yeah, it's, uh, it's rolling right now at, at UT. It really is, man. Um, you know, depending on you know where you look, you know, Rivals has Tennessee as the number five team in the country right now, 18 total commits. But anywhere you look, this is firmly a top 10 team right now. Kind of what are your thoughts on how this has kind of taken shape and and ultimately where I mean it's impossible to to project this down the line, but I'm gonna ask you anyway, kind of where do you think this this class might finish? Because I've been in the uh I kind of been in the assumption the entire time that I do think this will be a top 10 class. It might be nine or ten, but you know, the foundation's laid, and they've done a really, really nice job this summer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm surprised, honestly. Not that Tennessee's recruiting well, but that a lot of these targets are popping on defense. And then all of a sudden, Tennessee is stretching beyond the expected footprint. We know the state of Tennessee is really good in the class of 23, so you're going to have a ton of talent there, five commitments. Atlanta, the state of Georgia, always a pipeline for UT. That's the other half of, of the foundation that you mentioned. But going into Missouri and, and beating the Tigers for Chadavian Bradley, going into Mississippi and beating Ole Miss for John Slaughter, going into Kentucky and beating Kentucky for Christian Conyers, you're going outside of the region and winning head-to-head for kids who the kind of flagship or hottest school in the state, whatever you want to call it, wants. You know, I think that is where you're like, okay, Tennessee is, is legitimately – on a roll right now, five commitments in July, if, if you just go by the numbers in terms of uh, commitment volume as well. So yeah, everything is sort of clicking. Um, I, I thought there were some huge wins over the last couple of weeks. I, I mentioned a couple of them. I think Bradley pairing with Caleb Herring, who we've talked about at length here, it's a heck of a one-two punch rushing the passer. I think that, you know maybe one of the better ones in the class or in the country, I should say, uh, among committed prospects, that that's something certainly I think can be the foundation of the entire defense one day up in Knoxville. And, and then I also thought going into Georgia for Umarov, the massive offensive lineman from Denmark High School, that was a big deal. Georgia was in this conversation, LSU. I mean, a legitimate kind of all SEC battle, sprinkle in a little Michigan State. And that was a, a not a lock that Tennessee created uh, a lot of momentum for and then obviously closed the deal uh, ahead of his commitment date. I thought that was another head-turning, like, okay, this is another indicator that Tennessee is is trending forward even more so in recruiting in general, not just offense, not just skill guys because you got Nico committed and they want to pair together. 
that's obvious. And that's probably still more to come than, than what you've got now. But the defensive priority and then going into these other states really caught my attention. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, you know, number one player in the state of Tennessee, number one player in the state of Missouri, uh, going into Georgia. Tennessee's had a whole lot of success in the state of Georgia. And I mean, there's so many prospects in Georgia. It is, in my opinion, I mean, I know Florida, I know Texas, I know California, but just the volume of prospects who go and play Division One football, go and play D2, D3, NAIA. I mean, Georgia is such a hotbed. They've had success in Georgia the last couple of classes already, seven commits from the state of Georgia. So I think Tennessee is doing a really nice job of kind of expanding its footprint and uh, really kind of coming together with this 2023 class. And kind of on that note with Georgia, you know, Tennessee, um, as you mentioned, Sham, you know, picked up that offensive tackle. So critical. Uh, first one of the class. Georgia was very much in that conversation. Georgia started to like Sham an awful lot towards the end, especially with one of the offensive line pos positions opening as they had a decommitment. But also, I think Georgia liked Jalen Smith a whole lot more than they want to, you know, lend on that they kind of did. They have two guys coming in, and, you know, uh, one of those guys, CJ Allen, Tennessee, really, really liked. Tell me if I'm off base here. And maybe it's impossible to say, but I think Jalen Smith, Tennessee's new linebacker commit, would have been a take at Georgia maybe just about any other year. It's just the way it so happened in 2023. They didn't have room for him. But I think that speaks volumes that a guy that Georgia really likes, Georgia wants, you know, Tennessee's able to get in their back pocket. Yeah, good timing for the Vols here, right? Georgia's just now upticking at that position. They flipped the, the Michigan linebacker from Tallahassee. They're in line to get Troy Bowles, you know, barring a, a huge surprise at the 11th hour. So, yeah, sometimes that's that's just recruiting. you got to finish second, you know, sometimes to finish first. It, it sounds crazy, but, you know, stranger things have happened on the recruiting trail. And, yeah, I'm like you. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Grayson linebacker. I think he's got a high floor. He's a balanced player. You know that program coaches him up about as well as, as any in the state of Georgia. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I do think he was going to be – one of these bubble guys for UGA and could have easily been penciled into the class if not for Raylan Wilson's decommitment, Bowles coming in and already having a couple guys on board. It just kind of worked out that way. But that's recruiting. you got to stay in, in some of these fights, even if you're not that school. I mean, especially, you know, in June and July, it's like 250 power five kids have committed. You, you You're fluctuating your board at all times. So you have to be organized and prepared as a coaching staff to say, hey, these are the green light guys right now. And then if and when something happens, this is the next group up. You have to be ready to take advantage when things do break your way, because we don't always see schools in position kind of ready to strike and wrap up something when it does not fall into your lap, but when it does bump your way a little bit. It'll stay on defense. Uh, let's go back to the edge and talk a little Shadavion Bradley. Man, I... Tennessee has done such a nice job since Heupel's gotten here and saying, all right, you got to win with a good quarterback. They went out and got Nico. Of course, that's one thing. But you've got to be able to rush and disrupt the passer. You just have to. You had Shadavion Bradley. You've got Caleb Herring. You go last cycle, James Pierce, Joshua Josephs. I mean, I think it's been really, really neat how this uh, his staff has prioritized that edge position and found, finding a whole lot of success in that. Now, we'll see how these guys develop and everything, but they've made it an absolute priority that they're going to win the edge, and they've done a nice job of that the last two cycles. Yeah, great size, great production, uh, and all the flash you want here. You know, I think that's that's really what you want at that position. He's got that frame, 220, 225, talking Bradley, where he can maintain and stay in that – 
240 range, or you could you could see him piling it on as an upperclassman at UT and dabbling a little bit more inside. He's very, very tall, so he can handle a little bit more bulk. But but at the floor level, just a lengthy, twitchy edge prospect, runs really well, finishes with short area explosion. And what I like about him at 6'5", or whatever he is, he really makes a concerned effort to play the leverage game. When he works inside, you, you could just almost hear the coach in his ear, stay low, stay low, work yeah. the inside shoulder. He lowers even more than he does as a speed rusher when he works inside, and, and he has a lot of success uh, in that area of his game. So there's there's some development and technique there as well, and there's still room to improve on all those fronts at the same time. So he becomes this intriguing blue-chip pass rusher borderline all-american type guy for me uh that, that i'm super intrigued by the more i learn about him don't know a ton about platte county or platte city missouri any of that stuff but what you see on tape is dominance and when you're in an area that isn't atlanta or isn't miami or la or houston or dallas you better dominate we need to see that on tape and we get spades of that with bradley you and i we can talk recruiting for days but we're not we're not coaches right but i feel like with this collection of pass rushers, Joseph's and Pierce on campus now, uh, Herring and Bradley to come. I mean, you can put, technically, there's only one Leo spot, outside linebacker, hand-in-the-dirt type guy. The other defensive end's more of a, a hand-in-the-dirt traditional guy, a bigger guy, like Tyler Barron's going to play that spot. I think Tyree West might play that spot in years to come. But I feel like you can put these guys on the field at the same time, especially in third and long, especially in situations when you have to get off the quarterback. And I just feel like you can do a whole lot of things with these guys. Like, you know, what I thought last year Tennessee might do with Byron Young and Tyler Barron didn't ultimately pan out that way. But I think with some of these these pass rushers, there's no reason for one of those guys to be on the field at one time. I think they've got options here. Yeah, Eric, that's the trend, right? It's like when, when you are loaded up at a position, you don't want to hold these guys back. Like George is going to run a thousand tight ends on the field this year. I'm just convinced all of them <laughs> are going to play together at some point. Like, Bowers is going to run the ball out of the backfield, for goodness sakes. So, yeah, if you've gotten an elite group of edge prospects, you, you go – you used to call it NASCAR package. You go with the the, the slender, faster guys, yep. and you say, one of these guys will be one-on-one, -on -one, and we like our chances with whoever you determine as an offense is going to be that one-on-one -on -one guy because my guy can beat you with speed. He can work inside. He can play um, through some technique as well. I think, yeah, I think that's a, a monster trend in college football. We know it's a pass-first game, uh, so affecting the passer is obviously at a premium. So it's one of those positions like edge and corner, like you can never have enough of. You know, it's one of those where like, man, the, our scholarship numbers are so tight, but this great corner wants to come. You're probably going to make it happen. Same thing yeah. on the edge, but because of of that reason, you just need as many as humanly possible because it's it's that important every down, not just third down or critical downs, two minute drill, whatever. Every single down now, rushing the passers becomes you know almost the first area of business to sort out as a defense. Uh, we got more to come with John Garcia. A good conversation so far. We're going to get into some more of Tennessee's latest commits. I want to get his thoughts on Jonathan Eccles, the 2024 prospect that linked on to Tennessee, Christian Conyer, and a whole lot more. Plus, you know, it's been great for Tennessee, but they've also had some misses here lately. I want to get um, John's thoughts on those as well. But first, betonline.net. It's your number one source for all your sports betting, sports gambling information. 
Uh, find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's hockey playoffs are now in the rearview mirror. The Stanley Cup finals that have come and gone. Major League Baseball is happening right now. The All-Star break is right in front of us. Hey, the Home Run Derby is coming up. They'll have all that at BetOnline.net. It's your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, reality television, so much more. And it remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest. It's the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sporting events, including MMA, boxing, golf, PGA, live, whatever you want. Head on over to the website today, learn about all the latest trends and all the action. BetOnline.net, it is where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome back into a Friday show talking Tennessee recruiting here on Locked On Vols. I know you guys have really, really enjoyed the extended recruiting coverage uh, this summer here on the podcast. And today we bring back on John Garcia of Sports Illustrated to join the conversation. John uh, spoke a lot about the edge, uh, Caleb Herring, of course, Jadavion Bradley, a little bit of Jalen Smith in segment one. Let's turn our attention back to cornerback and a guy that has been long linked since to, or has long been linked to Tennessee. A number of those guys can fit in this category. John Slaughter, Jalen Smith, like we just spoke on. But Christian Conyer, he made the commitment to Tennessee on July the 3rd. Kentucky made a real late push and swung until the final hour. But I think Tennessee, you know, being able to close with that one to, I mean, the guy was ready to to call it a day in April, right? But to be able to finally close with that one, a guy that Tennessee wants at the quarterback position, I think Willie Martinez did a really good job with that one. It just, we hear that a lot, right? We hear Martinez really uh, buckling down on the trail. And, and again, I said it at the top, going into the state of Kentucky is, is not easy. There's a lot of marquee and memorable battles for all these SEC schools, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, et cetera, trying to pull great talent out of there. And it, it's not easy. So to have a longstanding lead to the point where Kentucky was the one trying to close the gap at the 11th hour, I think says a lot about the vision being sold on defense at Tennessee, which again is is so critical in terms of projecting this class as a top 10 type class, as you mentioned. And then Conyer, big uh, developed cornerback prospect. I think he's got a lot of boundary in his game, uh, but he was he had this growth spurt, right? When, when he first burst onto the scene, he was like 5'10", 5'11", much more known for his playmaking ability, speed, the instincts are there as well. And now he's added length, you know, in the last year or so. So he's only enhancing his value. And, and I think, you know, maximizing where he could line up uh, at the University of Tennessee. I think you can now think about utilizing him inside as a nickel type uh, or even work safety if you have to with, with his instincts and now the length that he possesses. But but I do think he's a corner boundary zone type in particular uh, with, with good balance to his game. Um, I'm a big fan of his. I, I was He was one that I knew Kentucky would try to keep in state and Tennessee was, was always that primary contender. I was surprised more Big Ten schools and SEC schools alike didn't try to jump into this race. Maybe they just, and some coaches do this, maybe they just said, oh, he's a Kentucky kid. And that's hard, right? That's what we talked about earlier. 
Um, but you, you have to still go fight those battles regardless. Uh, now, but I was still surprised his offer list wasn't 25 plus as opposed to a, a dozen or so. Um, I want to get to the offensive side here in a moment. I mean, there's just been so many guys that have uh, has jumped in the boat since last <laughs> yeah. we spoke. Uh, but real quick, where do you guys have uh, Jeremiah T. Lander uh, over at Sports Illustrated? Our rankings are coming out in August, our first SI-99 rankings. So, uh, you know, I think he'll be compensated the right way uh, or listed the right way, I should say. You know, to Lander, I thought, uh, you know, in the spring or on tape, he shows so much kind of classic inside downhill ability. But then in the spring, we're watching him cover, and we're like, this kid is ready for all three downs, and he can run with, with some of these inline tight ends that, that he's going to see on, on Saturdays eventually. So the the evaluation has expanded with, with Talander. We're, we're big fans of his game, so I think he'll eventually be you know in the appropriate spot. But, but we're big on him. Even if he's not a 99 guy, he's close. Yeah, I mean, I think he, I, I mentioned him in particular because I think he's a guy that you know could receive a boost from a bunch of different publications, right? Um, you know, he's a he's a really solid linebacker that jumped in Tennessee's class at the end of June. I thought that was big. And, and one more on defense, I want to talk about. I, I love this prospect. Watching this film, he plays so hard. Um, he's the you know, and, and one thing I've noticed too about Tennessee and a lot of these guys, they recruit guys who play special teams. I mean, how often when you're a Power Five, uh, you know, prospect. You're the best player on the field. You, you know, if, if you don't play kickoff or if you're on kickoff, you just loaf down the field because you don't care. Or, you know, on PAT block, you just don't care. You take those off. Tyree Weathersby is the best player on the field, best player every single play, and he goes so hard. Uh, he's got a really good frame, six foot four, two fifty, to where he can add twenty pounds, and I don't think he can lose uh, his quickness. Really quick off the edge. I think he's a developmental player, but a guy that kind of really started this whole trend back on July the first. A guy that I think we look back on in a couple of years and say, man, what a gift for Tennessee. I think that, you know, coach well by Rodney Gardner, he could be a guy down the line that really produces at this level. Yeah, we know Gardner can develop with the best of them. So I think that'll be an interesting project. And these coaches hang their hat on that, right? They want to win the five stars and all that stuff. And, and that's great. But they really want to brag when you talk to them more about the guy that maybe wasn't as highly touted that they developed and he became that that all SEC a kind of player and yeah with weathersby you see a ton of that in his game right the athleticism the twitch as a pass rusher and i think you hit the key point eric if he gains the right weight he can now become this inside out pass rusher which is really the athletic profile that is starting to replace your conventional defensive tackles how many on defense how many 300 pounders are on the field for a great team on a given play it's usually one or zero nowadays. Even five years ago, it could have been two or three, depending on the scheme, down and distance, et cetera. Now it's like maybe one. So these inside-out pass rushers are becoming that, that counter to these traditional speed, lengthy edge guys. And all these programs want to utilize them as much as possible as well. So, yeah, I, I think Weathersby is an undervalued commitment to date. Um, and I think his best football is well ahead of him. When, when you've got twitch and a motor – and the frame, it's really hard to push back against. All right, let's go over and talk about an offensive prospect. Then we'll we'll come back here for segment number three. You know, it's wild, man. So you had Nico that committed in uh, at the end of March, I believe. Let's see here. Yeah, at the end of March or whatever. And since Nico's commitment, I mean, Tennessee's been on last run, but they had gained only one offensive commit since Nico prior to the commitment of Cameron Selden. That was Will Stallings, the, the running back out of Bishop Gorman. 
Then Cam Selden, Selden jumps on the boat, and of course you you get Sham to come the day later, and and you know all all things are looking uh, in in the right direction. But it, it's kind of shocking to me that Tennessee it's been all defense, like you've mentioned, and it's taken a little while for the offense to get going again. But Cam Selden's a guy that this staff wanted. This staff has been building relationships with. They like him at wide receiver. They like him at running back. They like him as a weapon. He is what six foot one, two twenty, can run a four four, a four three even. Has been time that he's told me that. Of course, I don't know if that's laser or not, but the dude can. The dude can just blaze, man. Um, either way. <laughs> yeah, right. So what what do you like about the projections and the makeup of Cam Seldon, the guy that Tennessee wanted and Tennessee was able to get a couple weeks or last week? I was gonna ask you what position, because that that's really when you when you like a guy so much and you're just concerned about the position, that's a great thing. Cause it means you can I, I legitimately think, envision him playing more than one. Yeah, I think he'll start out. I, I do, I mean, the comparison's Debo Samuel, but like you, you can't just throw it out there, right? You got to earn it. Like, I think he's going to come in. I think he's going to train and play like one position, probably wide receiver first, get that down. And then I think they're going to try to move him around a little bit. But they do believe with his size, his speed, his athletic ability, and all that, he can play both and they want to use him at both eventually. So I would say wide receiver first, but he adds insurance to this class at running back. Say Tennessee doesn't get another running back commit, you know, he could be that second one. You also project a guy like that in the return game. And when I when I thought of returners who were bigger receiver running back hybrids, I thought of Evolve. I thought of Cordell Patterson, you know, who's yeah. still still somehow doing it at the NFL level. You know, I thought that would be a kind of a comp for Selden. I think he's got some of that just instinctual ability, vision, uh, the agility laterally uh, after the catch or after the handoff as he's going to be a running back. Uh, but yeah, the frame then, you know, and the ball skills make you think that he can legitimately live at wide receiver on a consistent basis. So yeah, I think he is ultra intriguing. There's a lot of guys. Jonathan Eccles is another one who committed where you're like, where is he going to play? And that's it's, it's a great question to ask. It's not because he's not good at anything. It's like he's so good at everything that you're, you're just kind of stuck in that conversation. So, yeah, I think Selden is, is quite intriguing. I'd, I'd like to see how he fills out after his senior season because I think that could dictate some of the positional stuff, especially at the beginning of, of his collegiate career there as well. I'd, I'd love to get more verified measurables on him, you know, come – February, March of, of 2023. Just a quick little load here as we as we move on to segment three real quick. What did you think of Eccles um, when you were down there for the spring game? And he's a guy Tennessee will have to work like crazy to keep. But I think Tennessee wants him as a tight end. And I think that's a position that he's not played. You know, he play, he's played wide receiver. He's so athletic. He can learn it. He's got the, the measurables and all that. But I think that's a heck of a get. Came to camp, fell in love, obviously was offered before then. Wanted to commit, committed. Tennessee will have to work, but what a start to the 2024 class. 100%. You know, he's kind of the next Samuel and Pemba of IMG, uh, another Tennessee target, by the way. Um, and I think you're seeing that same kind of trajectory. You know, last year in Pemba was Jalil Skinner's backup at tight end. And you're just like, man, can we see him rush the passer, please? And then now he's doing it and he's like beating Francis Maui Goa in the spring game. And then on the other side, it was Eccles. And, and Eccles is like, yeah, I'm looking up to him. Pemba, I'm doing that same kind of hybrid role. Uh, but he's a little bit, feels, he feels longer already than in Pemba. So I'm just, I'm so, you talk about curious about the frame. He's got two years left of, of high school ball, but the athleticism at the size, the coordination, the balance, and body control that, that he exhibits beating future SEC offensive linemen along the way at that at that spring game, it just it's so intriguing as a pass rusher. But yeah, he can absolutely line up at tight end and be that 
basketball player that that transitions so easily to the sport. But again, he's he's already got polish and physicality on the defensive side of the ball. So again, a good problem to have. We're seeing we're seeing a whole lot of positionless, versatile guys on on, on this Tennessee commitment list for 23 and 24 now. And I think that's a great thing, you know, because you, you can always move someone back to where they're most comfortable. But if you challenge them and make them uncomfortable at, at maybe a spot where they have a higher ceiling, the payoff it could, could be that much, you know, more impressive down the line. So, yeah, it's it's quite interesting to see just the willingness of this staff. We talked about it when they moved on from Arch and we're all in on Nico, the willingness of this staff to just go with their gut, whether it's an evaluation, it's a self-realization from, from a where we stand standpoint with, with certain players. You have to go with it. And, and they've got they've got this trigger about them that is that has paid off early in this cycle. And, and now we're seeing it through the meat of the cycle, which the summer has become in, in college football recruiting. And, and like you said at the top, it could end up you know being the, the groundworks for a top 10 class. And I think any Tennessee fan would take that at this st- stage. Yeah, one other former Tennessee uh, football great that wanted to play one position and ended up playing another was Jason Witten. He said he was a defender. Turns out tight end worked out pretty well for him there. All right, we got a final segment left here with John Garcia. Uh, who could be next to join the class? And one final question I have for John. Has Josh Heupel proven that he can recruit at this level? All that coming up here on Locked on Vols. All right, just a couple minutes left here with our guy, John Garcia of Sports Illustrated, doing a fine job. It's been a couple of weeks, and I thought, you know, the way July is going, we got to get John back on here sooner rather than later just to recap everything. Uh, we've got, I think, a total of seven commitments uh, the University of Tennessee has brought in in July, uh, six of which for the class of 2023. I may be off by one or two. There's been so many. Jonathan Eccles <laughs> that we've mentioned. There's a couple more that Tennessee is targeting. Um and I think could be, I mean, I've been on commitment watch for Nathan Laycock for quite some time. I think that's going to be, you know, more next week now, the, the more we gather information. But uh, your thoughts on Nathan Laycock, his chances with Tennessee. I think Tennessee's in the driver's seat. I think he could be the next one, and that'd be all more important because uh, depending on how you view Cam Selden, that could be the third receiver of this class, the second receiver of this class. But nonetheless, a guy that Tennessee wants and has been linked to Tennessee for a little bit. Yeah, he's he's a little bit more new to the you know high end power five profile, if you will. But uh, a huge junior season at Millbrook uh, over in Raleigh. We know traditionally that's that's been kind of the other state that Tennessee has always get kind of been consistent in. You got to win the home state. You got to go down to Atlanta. That's that's obvious. But going east uh, towards North Carolina has has become. Uh, a staple over multiple coaching staffs at this point. So there is an appeal to North Carolinians heading west uh, to Knoxville. And I, I think Leacock could be the next one up. And I, I think the the most impressive part of this, first of all, he's impressive. 6'4", like 200 pounds. I mean, he's built like Malcolm Jenkins from the Falcons of 10 years ago. I mean, just a big possession receiver who could stretch the field with a long stride in, in a vertical and modern passing offense that we know Tennessee wants to, to utilize or continue to utilize. What's impressive here, though, is that the Vols seemed like they were on the bubble for him just a few months ago. Uh, and then they've made this surge. June official visits, I'm sure you talk about it every show at this point, but they're so critical. And I think that was his first extended look at UT and, and kind of the more he dug into it, the more he was like, okay, I, I kind of get it. Uh, and, and he called it, you know, he's from Raleigh, which is kind of a city. 
he, he called Knoxville. He was like the city vibes. I was like, whoa, okay. You know, Knoxville's <laughs> come a long way since I've been there. Uh, so I, I do think there's some um, some ability to resonate uh, from him uh, being from Raleigh and, and going over to UT. And I think that's going to keep the Vols right at the top of this conversation. So, yeah, like you said, Eric, it's a matter of when will he pop? When will he come out and, and make that decision? I think he hasn't officially narrowed it beyond the top seven, but we know yeah. it's a little bit more narrow than that. And Tennessee is arguably the school that is uh, topping that list right now. And, and and again, you talk about fit, another big physical wide receiver. I mean, this is, this is part of Tennessee's plan. We saw it break out under Josh Heupel last year on the field, and now it's starting to trickle down to reciprocate in recruiting. But Leacock's a guy that, you know, the more you see him, the more you like him. And I think even – after he commits, he's one that's going to raise his stock and his profile as a senior and, and possibly beyond. Yeah, he, he's kind of that perfect fit as an outside receiver for this Josh Heupel offense. Another one that Tennessee, um, really, because of the loss, the miss of Francis Mauingoa, um, and, and Lucas Simmons, you've got to get him. Offensive tackle, Stan Rommel. You, it was so critical to get Sham to jump in the boat last week at offensive tackle, your first offensive tackle commit to pair up with Aiden Buss on the inside. Uh, Stan Romel, he's keeping things really, really close to the chest. Um, your thoughts on on kind of where that's headed on a guy that's, um, you know, I, I think Tennessee's been in a good spot. I think Tennessee's still in a good spot, but as it comes down, he's not a, uh, he's not announced an official uh, commit date just yet, but um, Tennessee will have a good chance, and I, I think this is a huge, huge one looming for the Volunteers. Yeah, we think he's a little closer to deciding than not. I think the July-August window makes a lot of sense for him. He's he's at Thompson High School, and, and all those guys seem like they want to come off the board before they go back to defend another state championship there uh, in Alabaster. And, and yeah, he's a, such a unique recruit just in terms of his story, right? Dad played at Alabama, but he grew up in New York. So when he started to blow up on the trail, six, seven, 300 pounds, whatever he is, he had this unique group of Northeastern schools that just always stayed in the mix. And then that group became the biggest group. So the SEC group was the smaller one, and, and that one has fluctuated on its own end. And I think Tennessee has done a good a job as any program in the SEC to keep him at the top of their mind. I, I thought Auburn was going to do everything it could to keep him in state, and technically they're still in the mix. But taking that official visit to Tennessee over Auburn, I thought was a really big deal at the the 11th hour because I think before that point, Stanton was like, I don't need to take an official to these two schools. I've seen them. I know them. I'm good. And then he sets the UT trip anyway. So I think that was, was probably the biggest indicator for me that if he's staying SEC, it's going to be Tennessee. But if he goes up in, in, into Big Ten country, your guess is as good as mine. You know, Penn State, Michigan State are in this pit and the ACC is in this conversation there as well but if he's if he's playing the geography game and staying closer to his current home i think tennessee has overtaken auburn as a legitimate option here and that's as big a win as there is because of the misses you mentioned and then as big of again we talk about going to other states and pulling in-state priorities there's not a team in america that needs offensive tackles more than auburn going forward so to pull him out of the state of alabama when he's the clear top target left for the tigers would be another one of those slaughter Bradley type of wins that you're like, man, this Tennessee staff is going wherever and competing and winning and closing at the 11th hour. So I, I think he's a monster priority for, for the program and it will be very telling as to whether or not we view this Tennessee class as a whole 
as a big balanced and legitimate top 10 type program. Yeah, he absolutely is a priority. And I think that um, I think Michigan State's making a little run here. I wouldn't say that they're yeah. the leader, but I think Michigan State is making a little run here. You talk about the teams uh, from up north. But when we spoke with him after his official visit and, you know, pretty much asked him what is going into this decision making process, what are you looking for? Everything he described screamed Tennessee. And it, ha- it was the complete opposite of what Auburn was like stability. I want to know that my coach is there, the relationships will be there three years from now. It's like, I mean, Auburn's coaching staff's on the brink right now. So, uh, nonetheless, that'll be one to pay attention to. Last thing here, John, I, I know you got to run here, but I, I want to get your thoughts. Rico Walker, um, big time defensive end project or big time edge rusher again, um, has uh, set his official uh, commitment date. That's going to be July the 18th. Tennessee's uh, in the mix there. What do you like about Rico Walker and kind of where do you think that he's leaning at this point? Well, the only time I saw or the most recent time I saw Rico was with Nico in Vegas playing with uh, Team Toa uh, as as a tight end. I'm like, what in the world? You talk about <laughs> height, weight, speed, and oh my gosh, Rico's got that in, in spades, 6'4", 6'5", 230, 240 already as, as just a sophomore going into his junior year of high school. But look, he's not a tight end. No, no offense, Rico, if you listen here, uh, you, you belong on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, just an unbelievable athlete. You know, he can bound like a guy who's 50 pounds lighter than he is, runs well enough to have contended at tight end in an event that is littered with tight ends. Ethan Davis was was the best one there, uh, another Tennessee guy. Um, but, but Rico stands next to Ethan is is looks the same and maybe be maybe he's heavier at the stage and carries it just as well as Ethan does so just so physically impressive the athletic profile is is to the 10th degree and those guys move over to pass rusher it's just kind of is what it is I, I think as as soon as he buys into that he'll start to realize his full potential but this is a top 50 top 100 type uh, player in next year's class without putting too much thought into it. That's how athletic and physically imposing Rico Walker is. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him come of age on, on that side of the ball as well, though. Again, we saw him catching passes from Nico out in Vegas, and, and there was definitely some uh, recruiting going on in that process. John, great stuff as always, man. Really appreciate the extended time. Hey, where can uh, our listeners follow and, and check out more of your work? Real simple, si.com slash college, or check us out on social media at SI All American through all platforms. Awesome stuff, man. Thanks so much. Look forward to having you back on again, all right? Always a pleasure, Eric. Take care, buddy. All right, you too, my man. That is John Garcia, the director of uh, recruiting for Sports Illustrated uh, here on Lockdown Vols. Does uh, an awesome job and really, really do appreciate him. I want to make one clarification there towards the end when we were talking about Rico Walker, and he was saying this. I think that uh, and John does an awesome job. I'm not sliding John in the, in the least bit here, but I think he was uh, thinking of someone else. Rico Walker uh, is the uh, defensive end project from Hickory, North Carolina, six foot four, two thirty, two forty. Uh, he is class of 2023, unless something has changed here in the eleventh hour. He is class of 2023, and his finalists are uh, Maryland, North Carolina, Auburn, Florida, and Tennessee. So I heard John say a couple of times, uh, 2024. Um, he's a 2023 guy, um, um, unless, again, something drastic has changed here in the 11th hour. But awesome stuff from John. Can't thank him enough for giving us some of his time. Really check out his work. He does a splendid job. 
and uh, really, really knows his stuff. So give him a follow on social media as well. Hey, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Vols. We talked tons of recruiting here with John Garcia, and uh, we gave you everything you needed to know about the latest in Tennessee recruiting. Hey, go ahead and check out Locked On SEC. Chris Gordy, if you're not subscribed to Locked On SEC, and if that's not your second listen behind Locked On Vols, it needs to be SEC Media Days are next week. I'm going to be down there. So will Chris Gordy. He's going to bring some awesome interviews and some great content. So every single morning, next week and every morning, when you listen to Locked On Balls for your first listen, make Locked On SEC your second listen. Speaking of uh, SEC Media Days, we'll get to hear from my buddy Will West, who I work with in the morning over at 99.1 The Sports Animal. Uh, he is a SEC Media Days veteran, and so we're going to have him on the show Monday to preview uh, what I should expect this year and uh, what to look out, uh, look what to look out for, and some of the better. SEC Media Day stories from his time. So uh, tons to get into, and uh, really, really looking forward to that. I'm going to be uh, trying to record the show from Radio Row uh, every day next week, so hopefully that will um, that will work out, and I'm going to get tons and tons of awesome um, interviews to bring on the show, so looking forward to that. Guys, thank you so much, as always, for making Lockdown Balls your first listen. Thanks for supporting the show. Please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Please write me a positive review comment in the YouTube section. Give me a thumbs up. Give me a heart. Uh, but most importantly, if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel or on any of your listening plat- platforms, please do that, guys. It helps the show so much. Thank you guys so much. Enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. And we'll talk again on Monday, everybody.